And welcome everybody to, we're doing a special episode today. We're going to talk about the UAE tour. We're going to talk about the tour hot bar, guess Alps or someone like that. Some random cycling questions. But most of all, we are doing this with Rob Dalto of Cycling, a tour breakaway podcast. Another host out there. Welcome. This is episode 224 for me. I don't know what it's going to be for you, but um, welcome and thanks for joining us. Awesome. Thank you, Tyler. Great yeah. to be with you today. So why don't you tell us a little bit, so those who don't know you can um, get a little indication of who you are. You've got a podcast going as well. I've enjoyed it. I think you're a little bit behind me on a number of episodes. You've been about a year, but give us a little understanding of you and your tide of cycling and why you're doing a stupid podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you've got quite a head start on me. So I've been, a, been an admirer. But uh, yeah, about a year ago, actually it was the tour down under I think I post my first post was Feb 1, 2020, which in some ways ended up being good timing because this was a really good good hobby to have, uh, at least when when cycling resumed and there wasn't much else to do. Right. But uh, yeah, my background, I'm just a big fanatic, and uh, coincidentally, being from New York City, there's there's a bit of a cycling scene, but not too yeah. big, and just want to talk to the world about it. So gave it a go, and yeah, went went pretty well the first year. I'm like, I think I got 50 episodes up last year, and. Uh, so pressing on this year. Did um, I don't know what you do for work. We haven't really discussed personal stuff too much, but um, did the pandemic help you for staying at home and being able to just crush some episodes or, or how did that work? <laughs> it certainly did, particularly during the Tour de France last summer, whereas, uh, yeah, I work for a, a big tech company and uh, typically I'd be in the office. So uh, sneaking in a, a cheeky pod during lunch during uh, during the Tour de France made it a lot easier to put episodes up for sure. Yeah. Totally. I, and same here for me. I mean, I was, I had all these grand ideas. It's going to be at home. I'm going to do some great interviews. And I, I did for me, I got some great interviews in, but um, you know, life still comes and goes and you can't just solely concentrate on the podcast. Although it's, it's fun. Have you had any difficulty with it? Like uh, I, I tend to get a little controversial in some of my takes. So I get some feedback and some, some negative comments. How about you? Are you any of that? Or has it just all been love and glory? I've been, I've been really, uh, conservative and in, in posting my thoughts on things. What I've actually found to be really fun is, is just farm it out. So I do a lot of Instagram yeah. uh, polls and just usually yes or no answers, but then people just chime in and send me DMS. And so I kind of report out on what are the people thinking? And that ends up being really fun and kind of saves me from getting out of trouble. But I'm not afraid to get on the pointy end of things as well. Right. We'll talk about some of No, and I've noticed you, you've done really well uh, with your Instagram stuff. It looks like you get a lot of involvement and stuff. I could probably learn a lot from you, but then I've got to really put in a lot more effort. I'm not sure that I'm ready for that. So, all right. So why don't we talk? Well, go ahead. Oh, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, um, yeah, then I saw, I, I was always a listener to your pod. And then when I saw what you do on YouTube, I was like, oh, that's the move. So I've right. just, I've just started the YouTube presence, but uh, you've got that down pat. So, so tell me, tell, why don't you just let everyone know in case I forget here, how they can find your podcast, uh, all your stuff, your social media, your YouTube. I did, I did subscribe to YouTube as well. So uh, why don't you let everyone know about that? Thanks for that. Yeah. Tour Breakaway. So Apple Pod, Spotify, Google Play, just search for Tour Breakaway. You'll find me there. Um, I do, I'm, like I said, very active on Instagram. So if you just search Tour Breakaway there, you'll see me posting pretty regularly and uh, just started the YouTube. So I'll, I'll post m most things on YouTube now. I'll try to give it my best shot, but definitely encourage folks to 
subscribe because I don't always post on Instagram when I do a pod. So if you want the latest and greatest, yeah, please do subscribe. And I, I suggest the same for us too. So we can't forget about our own pushing our stuff. Um, okay. So maybe we'll talk about, and if I come to other things I wanted to ask you about, I'll, I'll definitely, Oh, well, how'd you get it? Do you ride at all? Do you race or do you just uh, love the sport? Yeah, a little bit of everything. So I've actually never competed in a, in a cycling race, believe it or not. I'm a triathlete, marathoner. Uh, I've done an Ironman. I've done a dozen marathons. So definitely a fitness enthusiast um, and love cycling, but haven't competitively cycled myself. Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one when you, you talk about, so just as a, as a point of reference here, um, you know, the masters, they get really involved in their bike racing. And that's where I get a lot of my negative pushback because I am one myself. Uh, and they, they like to, you know, they're ground in their own ways and I'm not mocking them. I'm just stating a fact here. So, so, uh, maybe, well, just, maybe you can you reach out to the triathlete. Well, we do, you know, cycling here in, in California is great. I mean, nothing, uh, I haven't done racing in New York for years. So, um, I, I, I don't know what it's like out there, but uh, I know you guys have a scene as well. So a couple fondos, red hook crit, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, I had asked you, Hey, let's do some crossover stuff here and talk about things. And you'd suggested the UAE tour and the tour of, mm-hmm. is it hot var? Is it Des Alps? I've had some conflicting info on those. Uh, and which one do you want to do first? Well, it's, uh, they'll call it both. And I guess it's hot var this okay. year is what they're, what they're calling it. And, uh, that's up first. So why don't we, why don't we start there? All right. So we'll UAE. yeah, perfect. So what do you know about tour hot var and, and, um, we'll go over the route and stuff as well, but my looking at it, it looks like going back over the years, you haven't had a great, um, winner. You know, it's not one of these, uh, smaller races that really has had, a, you know, exceptional fields. I think, uh, I saw this guy, Arthur Visho. I've never heard of him. He's won it like three or so times. Although last year, Quintana won, uh, but yep. anything, you know, special about this race. It, it's a like this is a prep for GC guys, and this is always going to be really mountainous. I mean, it's three stages. All three of them have categorized climbs, and and even if there's only a couple of them, you're probably going to see a summit finish. So, not one for the sprinters. So, see a lot of climbers at this event. Right. So, uh, just go here. Quintana won it. Pino, and then Jonathan Hiver, and then like I said, a bunch of guys that are well, Thomas Volkler. Eh. But uh, back in 2011, but other than that, it's a, it's a mishmash of probably a bunch of French guys. Uh, but it looks like to me, pretty climby uh, and going to test them. So what do we want to do here? Should we take a look at the, maybe the ticket, the take a look at the actual profile for stage one. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And could, last year, please. last year we had a couple, cause you know, we had Katana win it. You had Roman Bardet second and Richie Port third. Right. And, You'll hear me clamor on about this stuff. I think these early season races actually tell us a ton about folks. I, I mean, at least who's really in good form coming in and who's probably going to be a dud for the year. So, I mean, you know, Quintana was a little banged up at the end of the season last year, but he had a great first half. You know, Bardet was actually looking relatively promising before he had the concussion uh, in the Tour de France. Then Richie Port finally his first podium at the Tour de France last year. So it was actually a pretty good indication of what we could expect from those guys, you know, accidents aside uh, about their form coming into the year. So what I loved about last year, maybe you can pipe in on this as well, is uh, how the con- the season was panic mode almost the whole time, right? We didn't know when it was going to be shut down. So um, UAE after, you know, after the pandemic. So every race was just top notch. I felt like everyone's coming in yeah. like this could be it. So you had all these small races we were reporting on that no one tour of Piedmont and some of these other ones. And I, you know, I'm like looking at them because everyone in there was ready to go and they were, it wasn't just a bunch of nobodies riding. So, um, 
do you think that's going to be somewhat this year? Because we're already seeing, you know, maybe a race here canceled or so and so. So maybe they have a similar season. I don't know. And what was your take on that? Um, I, I don't sense the urgency. I feel like the it's like almost the opposite momentum. It's like we we got to get past the canceled ones, but then once the racing starts, it'll continue. Seems to be a, a little bit more of the feeling, and it seems to be going country by country. Yeah. So we had Portugal canceled. We had. Spain initially canceled, although then we got uh, Almeria last weekend. But France, where they've been managing things well, well, I mean, we got blessed. We had uh, Bessege, we had Tour Provence, and then you know now we're here again in the south doing the Alps. So I think the feeling is, with the momentum of you know, cases going down, vaccines, so on and so forth, that once the season really kicks in, um, that it should stick. I think that's the. I think there's some some optimism there. I do like your optimistic uh, outlook there. Okay, I don't know if you can actually see this here, but we'll share it for those people who are watching. Uh, but it's a profile that we have coming up, stage one. It's just a three-stage race, and it looks very climby. You've got state, a Cat 2, a Cat 2, and then a finish on a Cat 1, I think, for the final uh, climb up the Col de Gardon. I, I can't mm-hmm. speak French. Maybe you're good at that. So, um, but Nope. Any- All I know is that one's going to hurt. That's going to hurt the legs right there at the finish. Right. And then um, let's pop over to the, the other profiles here. Sorry, not the quickest transition here. Um, I think this is going to be the one for the climbing, even if it's not uh, all doesn't look like all these masterpieces, you know, just finishes. Because this one has a cat three, a two, some sprint points. But then it has a kick at the end, which is, I want to say, four and a half kilometers so yep. uh, or so uh, on the finish. And then the- Go ahead. The final, the final one point two is at nine point eight percent. Okay. So yeah, that, you ain't surviving that unless you got you got some real legs there. Right, and then uh, the final stage, stage three. Once again, a cat one, a cat one, a cat one, and then it kind of meanders down. Uh, but you're going to be, you know, three days in the Alps, killing it with everybody there. Uh, anything specific about the uh, the the actual profiles that you've seen there, or anything about the routes that you've liked? Well, I mean, I think stage three is deceptively hard. I mean, sure, it calls out a couple cat ones, but they've even got they've got a they've got a six kilometer climb at five point eight percent and a six point two kilometer at five point seven. That's not even listed as categorized. So you got to labor over that. You're not even scoring any points. So yeah, that stage three is going to be a real burner. And even though it ends on a descent to outlast those kickers and then the three cat ones, um, that's really going to show. I think who's the best who's the best climber. Yeah, and I'm just trying to look at here. It looks like maybe inside around 20K to the finishes at last Cat 1. So mm-hmm. third day of the race, everyone's going to be – and this is going to be a race up to this thing, and then it's still got some some junk left to finish. So uh, you're right. I think it's going to be a, kind of a barn burner. Um, totally. Anything else about the routes that you've you've taken interest on or that you, you can want to pick out or anything you want to say there? Not the route. I mean, I think there's some some interesting things to look at just from like the rider dynamic angle on this thing. Um, so I'd love to just jump into that. Yeah. So let's take a look at, uh, you're, you're basically saying who's, who's coming out to this race, who's been on the start list and, and what are we looking for there? Exactly. All right. So take it away. Well, I, th- I think the most interestingly, we'll start with the French since we're in France, but I think we're going to see a peaceful transfer of power on the FDJ side with, we got Thibaut Pinot and David Gaudu both in this race. And, Thibaut Pinot, I mean, we kind of know his history. It's like it's like the, the romantic rider. He's like always almost there, but then something like terrible happens to him. And we saw that play out in spades last year after his 
crash in Tour de France. He labored through it, but you know, to no result, and then quickly dropping out of the Vuelta. And um, David Gaudu seems to be the guy. Like he's ridden in support of Pino a number of times. Uh, he went on to win two stages of the Vuelta. Right. And Thibaut basically said himself, "Look, if I was team manager, I had to take myself off, you know, as the leadership position." So um, I think this is the first. You know, they put them both in this race, and and this is like the moment of of power transfer. And David Gaudu is going to be their guy. He's going to be their horse starting here and in through the Tour de France. Uh, yeah. So I'll just throw this in. I'd probably much too small to even read that. So I'm going to take that off the screen. But Pino, uh, Amrail, Gaudu, uh, Guglielmi, Madwa. Millard and Rockenbach. I mean, that's some decent climbing there. And uh, David Gadu, you know, like you pointed out, two stage wins, impressive stage wins in the Vuelta, yep. no less. A uh, little, much smaller guy than I really ever noticed because I didn't really ever take a look at that except for um, in the Vuelta finally. And uh, you, so you think Pino's on kind of a downward trajectory? I mean, he seems to be of a kind of a mind problem. Um, 100%. Yeah. 100% a mind problem, but it, um, it plays into the, into his body. He just, re- he recently did an article with, um, Le Keep, which I can't read cause I don't speak French, but I got the gist of it, which was, and, and he's like very upfront about how he's feeling all the time. And he's kind of still said, yeah, like things aren't going so well, um, for me right now. And his, his back injury really lingered. I still don't really know why he even started in the Vuelta given mm-hmm. how, how bad that injury was, but it lingered through the winter. So I'm actually surprised he's starting to race this early, but given that a bad winter of training, the momentum on the upshot of Gaudu, um, I, I wouldn't say Pino's done, but I'm not sure that he's lining up for a good 2021 season uh, gotcha. by any means. So, so who else do you see? You're starting with the French. So keep going. Uh, I don't know if you have more French or other people. Mm. I don't think anybody big on the French team. I guess we'll give a nod to AG2R. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. No bar day this year on AG2R. They've brought in Greg Van Avermaet. He's going to be there. They just got Ben O'Connor over from NTT who took that stage at the Giro. That was really fun to look at. And um, I think one of their guys that'll hunt stage wins that actually might have a good shot is Nans Peters. He'll be in this race. He he won that stage of the uh, uh, was it stage eight of the Tour de France right. last year. He's only his only elusive Grand Tours uh, from a stage victory perspective is the Vuelta. He won a stage of the Giro a couple years ago, so I think he might be a guy that's out hunting stages this year. So it'd be interesting to see how he does. How do you how do you see? Uh, and I'm just going to kind of pick on some teams here. And, this, and by the way, mm-hmm. chime in at any time that you want to go a different route. But uh, what do you think of Quintana's sure. chances coming back? I know he just had some surgery, knee surgery, seemed to be fine. Also, what's I don't know if you've heard anything more about this with he and his brother from was it the tour where they were kind of investigated and then not? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. So they were cleared. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this was a full on raid. This had right. like dope. This had like all the looks of like ten years ago written yeah. all over it, but. Yeah, so they were like they were cleared, so they're they're scot free and everything's good there. Um, however, I, I'm not particularly bullish on Quintana this year. Uh, he was off the bike for a while. Um, uh, he came in with such momentum last year, and it looked so great. I mean, this this will be where we know if he is good or if he's not. But I'm not particularly bullish given how much time he was off the bike. I mean, it was double knee surgery, right. and it's like I, I mean, 30 years of you know riding that bike. It, I guess you know his baseline's pretty high, but Given his age, given the time off the bike, I'm actually not super bullish on uh, on him for 2021. Who do, who um, who do you think who, who are you looking for in this in this race? Anybody in particular? I have kind of my thoughts. Okay, yeah. So um, I, I, one guy that it's going to be really interesting for me this year is Giulio Ciccone on Trek. Okay. He 
he he wore yellow for two days in 2019. He he actually didn't win, but he was second on Planche de Belfi. Right. He actually interrupted Alaphilippe's stint. And then last year, he just had a terrible year. I mean, he was only 24 at the time when he he put the yellow jersey on. Had a horrible year last year. He had COVID. He had uh, like surgery on his septum. It was just a number of things. He pulled out of uh, a grand tour with bronchitis, but he looked really good um, last week in Provence. He was in the in that attack all day with Al Philippe and I think it was Johnny Moscon. He uh, pulled off a second place on one of the punchier stages, and he wasn't in that. He wasn't in the front up Von too, but he was in that first pack behind him. So with Richie Port gone off track and Nibali kind of teetering towards the end of his career, right. I got I got Julio Ciccone in a leadership role for Trek this year. I think he's going to lead them um, at a Grand Tour and has a shot at a podium. So he's he's probably the the one I've got eyes on, regardless of how he finishes in here. But just for this season, I want to see how he how he pulls off here in these mountains. Wasn't he also the um, mountains jersey winner at the 19 Giro? The same year he won the uh, had the yellow jersey for a little bit as well. So I mean he did quite well. Uh, yeah, that was when Carapaz won. Um, yeah, so he was climbing and racing really well at the Giro that same year. I mean, phenomenal year actually for him. Um, you know, he didn't he lose the yellow jersey, uh, had it for a day, and then lose lost it to Alaphilippe. Is that what you said? That's exactly yeah. right. Okay. Yep. Uh, no, I was looking there. I mean that team itself. I mean you got Baca Molimar here, uh, Julian Bernard. Uh, obviously, uh, Kenny Allison and then uh, Ciccone, uh Tom Squeens. I mean, some good good mm-hmm. support for a three day race. But uh, yeah, I was interesting be- interested in how that team would go. I'm glad you brought him up because not having Port there, and we can talk about uh, Ineos now if you'd like. It looks like they're oh, bringing yeah. their strong huge crew, right? Huge yeah. crew and very uh, Anglo. I mean, I, I was noticing here, you know, Pidcock is a, a really interesting one to, to look at, but uh, they're not really, you know, sometimes they could really load it up with a bunch of Colombians and some other, but this is a bunch of uh, English guys, really. Look, this might be what their Tour de France lineup looks like. I mean, short of Richie Carapaz, who they said will likely ride the Tour de France, but he's still down in Ecuador climbing up like volcanoes. But <laughs> I saw that. With Garen Thomas, uh, Sivakov, I expect him to be there. Uh, Narves. This this is kind of looks of what they're probably going to throw at the Tour de France. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to interesting to see what they do. Um, and G needs these miles in his legs because right. I mean he put himself on the pointy end of um, of Provence, but he's not in form yet. Not after that the uh, his hip or and then he fell off his bike again in the ice and separated his shoulder. I mean he's he's got some miles to to put on those legs before he's ready for that. They have Thomas Rohan Gegenhart Narvez Pudcock Sivakov and Van Barl. Uh, you think that's the tour team? You're not going to bring um, Bernal or Carapaz any, up to the tour then? Well, so, so th- th- this is actually something I don't Port. totally get. So right now what they're saying is that Bernal is going to ride the Giro okay. and Richie Carapaz is likely to go to the Tour de France. And I, I, I'm kind of – I don't really understand this mentality because when I look back at Egan Bernal's trajectory, I mean, he came out of 2018 – I mean, it was just like – it, it was just like a rocket launching. Right. I mean, 2018 takes the tour of California. 2019, he wins Paris Nice. He wins Tour de Suisse. He wins Tour de France. I mean, it was just like the straight trajectory up. And even in coming into 2020, he was looking pretty good. He won Ossetani. So it's like, okay, that's like right. kind of one of the early lead up races to Tour de France. And then he gets this back injury and it's like, everything's forgotten about. And I get that this course for the 2021 tour de france doesn't suit him like the 2020 course might have 
um, with a little bit more time trialing, not as many high mountain finishes. But I'm just really surprised that Ineos isn't like, look, this guy was like on stratospheric growth um, to the top of the sport, won the Tour de France as like the youngest guy ever at the time. And they're not just like backing him as their horse. And like they're Ineos, they could always have, uh, you know, option 1B. But it surprises me that they're not like, look, this is our best rider. We're going to throw him in there. We're going to bet on him. They're like kind of like, uh, yeah, Bernal, he'll kind of do this and he'll kind of do that. And well, we'll send him to the Giro because, you know, the Tour de France course isn't that great for him. Meanwhile, they're saying they're going to send Richard Carapaz, who is not a good time trialer and also is has his best strengths in the high mountains. So it's not a good course for him either. So I, I don't really get maybe maybe Ineos knows something about Bernal's injury or they're just not convinced that he's going to return to the form and not just the form, but the trajectory he was on. So I'm like very surprised by all that, but I think yeah, you're gonna see probably five of these guys on their Tour de France squad. I'm not sure what they're gonna do with with Pidcock. Sivakov was someone they were saying last year. They were like Sivakov's in great form. He could right, be right. like a a one B option. Because um, I think so, it was the Dauphiné. Yeah, the Dauphiné uh, Sivakov was looking well, and then I think he had a crash and kind of put him in behind things. Um, Gegenhardt. It'll be interesting to see what they do with. Uh, you, they have so many options, and you, you make a good point about Bernal, but then. When Bernal broke out, you had, you know, the Alaphilippe year and it was kind of like, you know, Froome and, and um, G were kind of up there. And all of a sudden you have Roglic, you have Pogacar, you have Carapaz and you have this like influx just, just pushing the, the boundaries. And it somehow we all of a sudden think Bernal's like, you know, kind of passe now. I, eh, he's the exactly. Thing the, yeah, it's, it's odd, but maybe maybe they know something about his injury where they're, or they're just, I don't know what they're doing. I, your analysis could be spot on or it could be way off. And, and I think either totally. one, either one are, are valid. Um, yeah. okay. So what about Froome? I mean, let's talk about, um, Israel startup nation. They have yeah. Woods going in there, Sepp Van Mark, who seems to be happy going over there. Uh, Bevan Hofstetter, Del Impey, Dan Martin, and Chris Nealens. So a decent team for them, but I almost think that they might mm-hmm. be going with Woods or Dan Martin in this race. Yeah. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Dan Martin. I mean, he, he was so close to getting on that podium at the Vuelta finished, uh, right. finished fourth in the yeah. end. And this is what I find interesting because I, and I actually would have really liked to see them put Dan Martin and Froome in the same race, whether they put uh, Froome in this one or Martin over in the UAE tour. Cause right. we got to see how this plays out. Right. You, you know, everyone's saying, okay, Froome's going there. He's trying to win his you know, his fifth tour de France title, but like, is he their best GC guy or is it Dan Martin? I don't know. So I, I'm actually really interested to see how this whole thing plays out. And Froome did some, he did an off season interview where he talked about just his, his mental approach. And it sounded like he kind of relented from kind of the steadfastness of him going for his fifth title. And it was more, Hey, we're going to look at what's best for the team. Um, of course I want to do that, but we're going to take a step back and, you know, do what's best for the team. And I thought that was a bit of a change in perspective and, Maybe that was him coming to realizations on how he truly feels about his his form, his recovery. Um, that was before his stint in California, where it seems like he actually gained quite a bit of confidence and made a lot of progress on his rehab with the Red Bull team. Um, but it'll be interesting, and I want to see them side by side and how that begins yeah. to evolve. I did, but uh, I, yeah, Rusty Rusty Woods, awesome. I, I think he's going to be a big well, hit this well, year. You're a runner, so you should adapt to, to liking him. Um, the Dan Martin thing, I mean, you know, I think he overachieved last year from kind of what we've seen. And then obviously Froome doesn't really know where he's at, and he had to resort to you know raising his hand to take the bottles and everything else for Carapaz in the Vuelta. 
because he just wanted to be able to hang on. And I think his was a different. So it's such a weird, you know, how are we going to mix these things? Dan gets his best result and from a former, you know, winning five tours. I think those two guys, though, I, th- I really think Dan Martin is more of a, a team guy. And he understood, he's kind of like a port, like understood the, the what he got last year. And then it might mm-hmm. be just a little bit out of proportion. And, and we'll talk about mm-hmm. Froome. Uh, let's save that for later. I have some other Froome stuff. Um, okay. UAE, they have, uh, Pogacar is not in this one. So I don't really want, maybe want to talk about them. Dombrowski, he seems to be a guy that has been in the flux, in the mix, you know, a lot of potential. Uh, Vodders has always said if the tour was run on, on power meters as Zwift alone, he'd probably win. But um, I don't know. Anything about Dombrowski or UAE that you see exciting? I don't know why I'm, yeah, I'm more. Exci- I'm much more excited about their firepower at the UAE tour. Right. Where, I mean, because they've got Pugacha, Hershey as well, um, and and then Gaviria. So they're throwing they're throwing all the cannons at the UAE tour. Okay, so um, you pick another team, or if you want to go through any more, we can do so. Uh, I'm just trying to look through here to see if there's any excitement. Full saying, I mean, uh, with Astana, that's uh, you know he's got a lot of potential. It'll be interesting to see his year. Yep. Yeah, no, I like Fool saying a lot. They just came out. They said he's 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 going to limit his. He's not going for GC in the Grand Tour. He's going to probably do it just one Grand Tour this year. Try to hunt stages, no GC attempts, uh, and he's going to go after the classics. And he ran tremendous, he raced tremendously in the classics last year. Right. Um, I was actually quite disappointed that they didn't put him in the Tour de France last year. I mean, this guy's like getting better with age. It's quite incredible. Um, but yeah, he, he he's still got it. He's he's running well. Well, you say last year in the classics, but. Remember the year before, didn't he win one or two uh, classic? I want to say as well in uh, 2019. Did he win Liege? Oh, that's what I want to say. I want to say he won that or Amstel or one of those. Uh, so I have to pull it up. He's um, he's definitely not a slouch as for that. But may, and, and then obviously this year he won um, Lombardia. So mm-hmm. you know, like you said, he did well. Maybe he is understanding his abilities and just focusing instead of like, you know, these guys, they win the seven day stages uh, races and they're like, Oh, I'm going to win the tour de France next. And then top 10 is all they're able to do rather than him just saying, Hey, um, maybe I'm just not going to worry about that. Yep. That makes sense. He, I think he was also the only, or at least the top finisher in the world's last year that didn't compete in the tour de France. Oh yeah. yeah. So he did not do any grand tour last year. Is that what you're saying? Uh, no, he did do, he did the Giro, the Giro. Yep. Okay. So you said you had a pick. Did we get to, did we cover your pick? <laughs> My pick for this race? Uh, or, uh, your top riders to call out? Uh, no, I was just really, um, what I wanted to think about and, and watch the one I'm most excited to watch here is Tom Pitcock. Um, he, mm-hmm. you know, went in the, what the baby Giro last year, um, is that right? That's, I think that's what he won. And it looked like in stellar fashion. And then one of being one of the only guys really to kind of push, uh, Wout and, um, Vanderpool in the crosses cross races this year. Uh, I'm kind of excited to see what he can do, you know, like to see these, uh, new phenoms come on and, you know, they just don't care anymore. They're like, Oh, I'm 20, but I don't really care. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to race and, and act like I'm going to win anyway. So, uh, that's, that's really the one I was looking at, uh, to kind of see. And then just the Ineos in general. You know, they're save for, you know, I was going to say they had a horrible year and then you go, oh, they destroyed in the Vuelta. I mean, not in the Vuelta. They did good in the Vuelta, but the Giro, they absolutely crushed yeah, that race. Stages. Yeah. I Unreal. guess it's just, you look at the tour and you go, eh, it's kind of shitty. Mm. Okay. I think they should let Pidcock just let it rip, by the way. Right. Like, especially when they get to the classics, like, like a, like a, um, like a Perry Roubaix, just send it. 
Ghana too. Just let see what they see what they do. I mean, they, Ineos has performed so poorly in single day races and the classics. I think you just let them rip. Let's see what they got. Right. Another one is Thomas. Uh, I just kind of baffled by some of these guys that like him that you have, and maybe it's the. I mean, Bernal wins a tour and then doesn't have a good year. You know, he wins a tour and then doesn't do well. And like last year, he's having G, that is. Uh, and I'm just kind of baffled at the fall off that he did. So is to me significant. Well, I guess after the year after he won it, he was uh, up there with Bernal. But, you know, last year, I don't know what happened last year. Maybe you have some. Do you have personal insights to that? Uh, nothing crazy, aside from listening to his podcast. That doesn't really give you much info. He, um, look, he kind of said he struggled in quarantine. Mm. Like, you know, wasn't put, I mean, he actually did a really cool thing. He did three, three shifts of what the NHS would do. He did three days of 12 hours on his bike on Swift to raise money, which was really cool. But um, like he said, he struggled. And that was like something we forget about is a lot of these guys were yeah. locked home or, yeah. you know, they weren't at camps, they weren't racing and he just had a bad quarantine. Didn't put the miles in or didn't put in the efforts. And uh, yeah. But you know, you think of that and there's uh, Matthew Heyman, you know, one's the, the Perry Robay a few years ago where famously he was riding on Zwift all year, t- you know, training. Cause he couldn't, I don't remember he was injured. And so he, that was his training. So, I mean, you know, Garrett Thomas, maybe it was just a, a thing of like, just not motivated to do that. I mean, he obviously could have been indoor riding all the time, but you know, I'd kill myself <laughs> to do that. So, okay. The UAE, totally. tour, UAE tour, that's the one you said you're really excited about because of the, uh, the legendary landscape out there for bike racing, right? <laughs> Actually, they've got a couple cool finishes, as, you know, aside from the, the desert signs, but they finish at the Jumeirah, the Palm Island one day, and then out on some islands on the final stage in Abu Dhabi. So it's actually pretty sweet. Right, right. I, I, I mock. And then, um, you know, you go back when it was first, all these different races out there in the desert. Uh, you know, this one, I think, started in 2015, I want to say. So in, in the, you know, the early winners were more of the sprinter types, but they, they throw in some mountains. They have a time trial and I think two at least finishing climbs so mm-hmm. um what do you remember about this race last year um yeah it, well you get a you get a really decisive mix you got both like top of the top of the class gc guys and all the heavyweights so i mean last year at this race you had ackerman caleb ewan you had fernando gaviria sam bennett dylan gronovagan so like you get all the heavy hitters so you see pretty early who's in form and what it gives you more than anything on the sprinters is like, who's the top end heavyweight sprinter because you don't have these big technical turns into these towns. It's just like a highway. I mean, it's just like open road. So, you know, who's got the top speed. So you see that. And then, yeah, who's got the early form. You're climbing up like Hada dam or Yabel Hafit. That's like really the only climb last year. They did it twice. (laughs) So few climbs up there. They got to hit them a couple of times. But what we saw last year was actually very indicative of, what was going to play out. So on those two stages, and again, this was the first race that got canceled from COVID. So after stage five, they said a couple of people got locked in their rooms for a couple of weeks. But um, on the two times that they had climbs, your top four in varying order were Adam Yates, Tade Pogaccia, Alexi Lutsenko, and David Gaudu. So, I mean, we know Pogaccia won. Yates wore yellow for a little bit. Lutsenko won a stage of the Tour de France and David Gaudu won two stages of the Vuelta. So quite consequential in terms of what this meant in terms of a lead into what we can expect from those guys for the season. Yeah, no, very good points. And, and I do have to correct myself going back here. Uh, I'll just read off the top winner, the winners from 15 on uh, Esteban Chavez, who says he can win the tour de France. Now, uh, Tano Kanger, Rui Costa, Valverde, 
uh, Roglic and Yates. So uh, kind of a, a, I mean, every one of those guys, everyone should say, oh yeah, I know them. I mean, Rui Costa, world champ, you know, Valverde, world champ, Esteban Chavez and whatnot. So uh, esteemed route, uh, uh, these little grouping there that you have. Okay, let's take a look at the, the stages. Um, and once again, I don't know if this, you're going to be able to see this, but we will give it a shot. So stage one, um, let me know if you can even see that profile. Um, very flat. So obviously a sprinter's day. Do you know who the sprinters are that are going to be out there? Yeah. So we've got most, it's not as loaded as last year, but we're going to have Gaviria. We're going to have Ackerman, uh, Giacomo Nitsolo coming off his win in Almeria, uh, Case Bowl, Caleb Ewan, Sam Bennett. And then I don't know their form, but Ilya Viviani and Andre Greipel. Who's your favorite sprinter? Uh, Arno Demar for this okay. year. Yeah. That's my that's my guy. That's your pick for this year. I, I could see that, but is he one that you pull for, or are you just that's your pick? Uh, I didn't really like him until like last year, to be honest. I, he he wasn't he wasn't my favorite. Um, yeah, it, it kind of spread. I, I like Caleb Ewan. I'd say he's like my favorite sprinter. I'll go with I'll go with him. But Have my you, money's on uh, Demar this year. Yeah, I think that's a good pick. Uh, holding on to cars was it? Has he been uh, an issue with uh, Milan San Remo? And then uh, I think in the Tour de France, he was uh, uh, blamed again for that sometime a, year, a few years ago. Uh, I think no, I like that. What do you think of Cavendish's chance? Is he out here at all in this race? I don't think he is. I don't think he's in the lineup. No, um, I, a lot of folks. So I did a poll on this. I, I should have pulled it up before I came on. Uh, a lot of folks still think, I think the majority of folks believe that Cavendish will win again, like that he will. And again, means this season. Cause I have to imagine this is his last shot. I don't subscribe to that. I don't believe that uh, Cavendish will win again. I think he has a lot to bring, um, but he won't win. And he was in Almeria, but he had a mechanical like 10 K out or so. So we didn't really get to see what his role was going to be in that in that lead out actually him and hodge who was meant to um be the the quick step guy for the stage um he crashed out so it was a it was a defunct um a defunct sprint for decoinic although they ended up getting second place anyway because they're just so stacked but no yeah. i don't i don't see cavendish not not he's not in this race but i don't see him winning again my my thing on cavendish uh and i, I actually really agree with you and i thought it was kind of uh him coming back or even uh, uh, Wiggins has said, oh, he deserves a spot. And I was like, eh, not really. Uh, but the fact that he's with Dequina, if there's a race where he is the only guy sprinting, there's a chance because that is mm -hmm. such an ama amazing lead out and they will put him in the position that he can maybe just skate for it. He's not the, mm -hmm. I just don't, I've seen him, you know, the last few years, he just, even though he's a, a Caleb kind where he'll surf wheels and do everything he can, he just, he hasn't been on th that level anymore. So I think I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, okay, so time trial on stage two. I imagine this is a Mercs style. They're not really probably requiring anybody to bring bikes out there. Do you know that at all? I'm not sure. I know it's short. It's like 13 kilometers, quick, tight one. Yeah. Filippo yeah. Ghana. Right. Just going to run away with it, presumably. Uh, let's try this here again. Uh, stage three has a kicker up to the finish. And what do you know about this? It looks like to me it's ooh, is it around nine, uh, 10K. 10K, 6.8%. That's Yebel Hafit. So that's... Um, uh, that's actually the most challenging climb. Uh, I mean, we'll get to uh, we'll get to Yebel Yase, which is stage five, which is longer but not as steep. So this is the steepest one. Um, look, I think th the way that these play out, it's just a matter of tactics. So last year when we had the two mountain stages and both of them were actually just going up Yebel Hafit, 
one day it was a battle of attrition and one day it was long range attacks. So that's really what's going to decide the race. You know, how the teams play their tactics. Are they going to go off for an attack or is it just going to be who can ride this thing fastest and hold on? And was it kind of a reversal, but not quite as damaging, like from Yates the first time to uh, Pagachar the second time, I think, is my memory? Exactly. That's okay. exactly right. Uh, okay. So then we have stage four, uh, Almaren Island to Almaren Island. Looks like uh, staying right on the same spot. Massive bunch sprint on that one. Right. She has got wheels that day. Uh, the stage three that we just were talking about, the, the climb, that's pretty wide open, right? I mean, you're going to, wind could be an effect for every stage, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep, absolutely. Uh, stage five, that's Jabal, uh, when do you pronounce it? It looks, it's like. Uh, I went with Jabal Yes. Oh, how does like that sound? That <laughs> sounds much better than how I was starting. Uh, what, I'm trying, is this 20K finished climb? Yeah. Jesus. 21 and a half K at 5.4. So that's a, that's a long, that's a doozy. Right. I don't know. What would you rather do? The 9K at six or whatever it was, or the two, you know, the shorter, steeper or the longer grinder? Shorter, steeper. I mean, you don't want to be 10K out sweating like a dog going, you know, 12 miles an hour and still have 10K to go on that in the hot sun. Right. This, tough. this reminds me of, and man, the names are slipping me because I'm old. Uh, the, 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 the Giro that has had one of those early stages, um, few years ago that's similar to this it's just really long grindy climb I, it, i'm blabbing stuff out i don't know anymore uh st- <laughs> stage six this is what we do this you're supposed to know everything so i'll just bring you on uh, <laughs> another sprint stage uh what's that 165k two sprints palm. yeah this is the cool one I, this is the one that ends on that palm island okay so tell us be, have you been be there cool. uh yeah i've been to, I, I did go to dubai once like five or six years ago when went to the top of the Burj Khalifa do the compulsory tourist attraction thing and yeah just look out from 100 plus floors above at the world's largest sandbox but it is it is quite cool yeah that's uh, very cool uh, and then stage seven so this I think this starts what uh, is it Saturday to or is it Sunday to Saturday is that what it is that checks out seven days starts Sunday so yep should be next Saturday fin- finale here in Abu Dhabi another yeah. sprint Dubai breakwater uh 147k another great uh and you know i hope they're i mean look now if they don't have crowds out there you could just say it's covid because before it was just oh it's out in the desert there's really not much to see but now uh, you might at least be able to have a good excuse for it um so yeah, well who knows they might have vaccinated everybody i mean they vaccinated the uae team so that's, that's you know, true that's true money is power so they might right. have vaccinated everybody already and and they exert, assert their power so yeah last year you know this is the first one that we had everyone was quarantined into the or held hostage. I don't know what you want to call it into the hotels after the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, I remember, um, you know, seeing journalists and stuff saying, uh, they've locked the doors. We can't get, we can't get out. So, um, Gavaria, did he get, I think he had COVID from this last year, the first time. Is that right? That was, yeah. The first time he got COVID was here. Yeah. Right. All right. So we have a bevy of riders coming in here for this race. Um, anyone, you know, kind of Froome, Pogacar, Yates, and then Bennett, Caleb, Gaviria, uh, I think Sepp Kass is doing this as well. Mm-hmm. As the front man. So there's no oh, okay. no other big guns. So I think they're going to cut Coos loose, and uh, that should be fun. Cut Coos loose. I like that. Uh, what do you think of his prospects for something like, well, the, this race in particular? I mean, there's a time trial. We haven't really seen much of anything of him trying uh, on a time trial. I mean, got to gotta love his odds. It, it depends on how the yeah. team can support him. I think tactics come into play so much in this race. Like last year when they went up Yebel Hafid twice, 
it was like the one time was a battle of attrition and the, the, the gap was seconds. And then the next time there was a long range attack and the difference was a minute. So in terms of overall result, I think it depends on how the teams like attack or don't attack. But look, I mean, he was like the best, one of the best climbers out there last year. Right. I mean, you look at him on the, on the big climb called De La Los, the biggest climb of the Tour de France last year, he was like holding up for Roglic, keeping him on his wheel. So Look, I mean, he's going to be the best, one of the best climbers of the year. This first race, so we don't know how he'll how he'll do in this one. But overall for the year, super bullish. And um, I mean, I think he only had one mediocre day when one of the last days in the in the Vuelta where like he fell off with like 4K to go. Uh, aside from that, he was just lights out, showed up every single day. And when he was given his chances, he took them. Like he took the you know the last stage of of the Dauphiné after uh, Roglic crashed out. So when he's been given the opportunity, he's stepped up. So I'd expect the same. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of him. I mean, he's American. He's It's a, great to see a climber like him in, in general. Uh, wonderful 2020, and I'm really excited for his prospects this year. I, it'll be interesting to see now that the pressure is kind of on him of, you know, every time he's going to be like at a race like this, it's not just a SEP. It's, oh, it's SEP, right? I mean, he, he's, a, he's, no, he's a known quantity, so you don't just get the, the benefit that you did before. So I'll be interested in that. Who else do you see in this race? I mean, we're going to see Chris Froome, and is it too much to expect anything from him? Or should, you know, if he starts to just kind of, you know, lose uh, 20 minutes on the first uh, mountain day, we're like, okay, well, this is where we're at. Yeah. Look, if that's the case, we're, I mean, we're going to learn something about Froome. I mean, if he, if he loses more than five minutes, he's, that's a sign like it's probably not going to happen for him this year. And I think even five minutes would, would be able to tell you that just based on the caliber of the riders out there and like what additional trajectory and benefit can he add to himself, you know, from this point after such a, a long, strong off season of all this recovery. So yeah, we're going to learn a lot about Froome. Um, and I think it's a total toss up as to where he finishes in this. My gut, I don't think he's on the point to end of this one. Um, I would not, I'd be surprised if he finished in the top five, um, especially given he can't really make up too much time on the time trial where he might be stronger than some of these guys who will yeah. place highly. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my take. Probably not top five. So if he's, what in, do you think? Well, so if he does top five, I'll be really impressed because, you know, early season, yeah. not sure just coming off last year's Volta with, you know, shaky mentality. Uh, so if he does top five, I'll be, I'll be like, Oh, that's solid. Um, I'm almost yeah. more interested to see how he does on the time trial than on some of the other things, because well, if he, you know, it's not a long time trial, but it's, it's enough out there there where you can start to separate some, you know, men from the boys in a sense. And if he's in that top five on the time trial, you're like, okay, he's got some potential still here. We'll, we'll see what he can do. Um, you know, him, you saying he's coming up with some, um, some great training in California, Look, just because you're be you're getting KOMs from Americans doesn't mean you're on form. I'm just uh, just throwing that out there. So, uh, who else are you you looking for in this race? Uh, as far as sprinting goes, once again, I'm a big Caleb Ewing fan. Uh, not a big Dequanic Quickstep fan, and but I do like Bennett. So I'm a little I'm a little torn there. Uh, I mean, just looking at how this played out last year. Look, long straight sprints. You look at guys like Ackerman, Gaviria, Ewan, Bennett, they're not that far apart from each other. So a lot of it depends on the day, their lead out, their position, all those things. Um, I, I think the wild card on this, and he had just had such a great year last year, is Giacomo Nizzolo. Yeah. I think people would still be surprised if Nizzolo is beating them here, but he absolutely can. Um, I mean, he, he won his own road race. He won the European championships. He 
he's solid and he's just coming off that win last week in Almeria. So I think he's the one that can upset everybody. The only thing that would be surprising when it comes to like Gaviria, Ackerman, Ben or Ewan is if they like miss, like if they're not in the top three, cause then it's like, okay, what's, what's going on? Are you not in form? But their team should deliver them to the finish. And I think each day you're going to have a different guy winning it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, any chance that uh, movie star gets a win this year? <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't have a lot. Of, they didn't do great last year, but I mean, they will get a win, but nothing like before. So, well, t- I'll tell you what, they got Superman Lopez, and that's a big pickup for them. So that's good. Now the question is, are, you know, we're going to return to a movie star of a couple of years ago when they had uh, Mikel Landa and Quintana and Mark Soler and like all the drama. Uh, that that's TBD, but that's a, that was a big pickup for them. Yeah, no, I don't think he'll feature in this one, but a really good point. Uh, EF education first. We got our, at least um, one America, two Americans riding this one: Lawson Craddock and Nielsen Palace. Uh, but it looks like they probably are going to be riding for Iran. What are their prospects going forward of still hanging their hat on Iran? Do you think that's wise? Um, I don't know. I, I was actually really surprised that he was in a race last week. I don't know if you saw. He broke the heck out of his pinky toe he posted he like kicked it on his bedpost so this was like a month ago and you know he posted some video he like cut out the pinky on his shoes so that he could let his pinky breathe but he showed the x-ray i mean he like broke the it was completely broken in two so i was shocked that he's out uh and like comfortable racing may they may i I think they have to deploy themselves in other ways like sergio huguita like what an awesome up and coming young guy, right. and they've also got Ruben Guerrero who right. won a stage yeah. last year in the in the Giro. Giro. So I think they got to focus their resources on giving these guys chances, because you know they could let Uran be like you know option one B in the Tour de France, and he'll probably deliver. He'll probably be top ten, but it's you know if you focus on him and ride for him, it's at the expense of a lot of potential upside riders. I could see four. EF guys being near the front on on the climbs. I mean, uh, near the end. Uh, Palace, Caguita, Guerrero, and Ran. You never know. Maybe even Craddock in there. Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, good stuff. Um, any last? Who, who do you, you got? Any picks for this race? <sighs> on the GC side, I think we're going to learn learn a lot. I mean, first off, we got Pogatra back. So he, he's had a huge off season. I mean, right after the Tour de France, he shut it down. So, you know, who knows what he's been up to the last six months, but right. if he comes in and crushes this race, I, people should be very afraid. I, I, I'm surprised with how many folks are not afraid of Pogacar in 2021 who think like the 2020 effort was a bit of an anomaly and uh, flash in the pan. I don't really think so. Um, and this, this race might, might tell us uh, what to expect there. So I think he'll be super interesting. Um, on the Bora side, they've they've also sent Emmanuel Bookman, and last year Bookman looked awesome. This guy was like one step off the podium two years ago in the Tour de France, in a lot of the lead up races, um, like the the Dauphiné uh, and Ossetani. It was like it, it was like almost like clockwork. It's like you got Roglic, you got Pino, then it's like Bookman, and it was um, Guillaume Martin from Cofidis, and all the lead up races are all rolling together and. Uh, Roglic was always first to the line, but then these guys were like right behind. And I thought Bookman was going to have a good good tour last year. Uh, injury kind of kept him from it, but it'd be interesting to see if he's going to be looking like a contender again for for a Grand Tour GC. Um, other guy that I think is interesting is Jao Almeida from yeah. Dequina Quick Step. He wore pink for what was it, 15, yeah. 16 days or something? And look, it wasn't 
you know, he, he was meant to be riding in support of, um, of Remco at Remco, of course, with the injury at Lombardia, he got a shot, he took it and he raced really well, ended up fifth. Um, and he's super young guy. So let's see how he fares here. And if he's going to establish himself as somebody who deserves a leadership position this year for, uh, for Decoin and Quickstep. Uh, no, really good comments on all of those. Uh, there was another one here. I had a thought on, oh, well, Adam Yates is riding for Ineos. So I will be, that's, that kind of development will be interesting for me to see as well as uh, Danny Martinez who came over from EF. So you got some movement over there and just to kind of see how they do doing a different structured ride. Um, so um, I'm, 100%. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pulling for SEP here, but uh, I tend to think in my heart that it's going to be Pogacar. Just uh, you, you, downplaying that guy is, is mm-hmm. stupid. You know, winning the tour of California, totally. uh, doing really well, especially the last week of the, the 2019 Vuelta coming up with Roglic. I think he was fourth that year. And um, obviously what he did last year, just crushing souls and uh, the whole jumbo team mm-hmm. on the last uh, second to last day there was pretty impressive. So I'm going to think that, but you know, it's just a whole leader um, race here is scattered with just uh, every, Vanderpool. He's doing it. I don't know if you noticed that, but he's yeah. riding for his Alpacin Phoenix team. So there's a lot of excitement here. So they also um, picked up Jasper Philipson from uh, from yeah. UAE. So he's got a little bit of help. Now, I don't love this race for Vanderpool no. unless he's going to like launch a long-range attack maybe on the stage five with the longer climb. I thought you were going to say the like, same. This isn't... <laughs> yeah, exactly. They send him off-road. It'd be great. Then then the race would be over. Um, but yeah, there's, there's like not a lot of opportunity to like anything surprising on this route it's like it's either pancake flat or pancake flat and then rolls into like a consistently you know long steady gradient climb there's not a lot of opportunities for him to leverage his strength so i mean it'd be good to see him out on the roads but i don't think we're gonna see anything too crazy from him but he's got some help this year with jasper philipson coming over um bolstering up that alpes and phoenix squad a bit no, totally, totally. Okay, so those those are ours. Uh, I, I don't know how you watch the races. I've got flow bikes. I usually do the MPC thing, and uh, I think that's all I've really got now. I don't know how how are you watching the bike racing? Yeah, whoever's covering it. Yeah, flow GCN. I got the NBC Sports Gold, whatever's. Usually, I got to click between some of them because they'll right. say they're showing it, and then they're like, "Oh no, it's actually blacked right. out here." I got to go to the other app, right. and so on and so forth. I had to use the uh, uh, Canadian VPN the other day just to to be able to watch the race on Flow because they're they're showing it in Canada. So I tricked them that. Oh, way. nice. Yeah. Um, by the by the way, on the uh, on the Ineo squad, also uh, Ivan Sosa, who just won right. Provence, is on that squad too. So it's like, okay, that you got you got all these guys, Martinez, Yates, and Sosa. So I, I don't know how they're going to divvy it up. Well, so let's go into some of these other questions you'd posed them to me, and I'll let you go through them. But why don't we just start with what you made me think of here is there's a time trial. Ghana is going to be in the race. Is there anybody else that's going, going to be able to come close to him and winning this time trial and or any for the rest of the year? Absolutely not. I mean, he's won, he's won seven in a row. I mean, and he's done it in all shapes and sizes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he should just crush this one. I think he can't be perfect though. Like he, he he's got to, he can't win everything, but he's won seven in a row. So I'm going to say this year he loses twice. Wow. Only twice. He's going to win all the rest of the time trials that he enters. Cause there's got to be one of those ones like Planche de Belfi. Like right. he wouldn't probably wouldn't win that one. Right. right. Um, 
So I'll say there's probably two out there where somebody else can get them. That's Although, you know, I was, I've, I've mentioned this many times that he first impressed me hugely at the uh, Tour of San Juan last year, staying with that group with stage four or so where Remco ends up, you know, winning overall, but it's a, it's a bunch of just climbers and here he's just big rigging this, this climb and it was, you know, more of a power climb, but he's still in there with, uh, you know, Remco, um, uh, who's the UAE rider that uh, American, anyway, he, he was out there and then being McNulty. able to, yes, thank you. Thank you. And then um, riding well in the mountains too, uh, you know, when he's in a break uh, at the Giro. So uh, is he like the new Cancellara type of guy? I mean, is there, there seems like all the, you know, Dumoulin's gone now. I don't know how long, mm-hmm. but who's really there to compete with him on just this pure time trial stuff. Cause it seems like no, the other guys are kind of getting old. I don't know. Well, wow. Probably for okay. one. Yeah. I, and like, and, and we saw what Ghana did last week. He was in a break all day and then he just rode everyone off his wheel. And like he, and he did the same thing in uh, when he took the Giro road stage. I think it was like stage four of the, of the Giro. He just can ride everybody off his wheel when he attacks. He's got a different gear. So he hasn't been matched up against these guys, but if he's going to attack, there's only a handful of people that can, that can hold on to him. I think one would be like a wow type person who's an elite time trialist in his own right. A healthy, a healthy Remco. Um, could stick with them. Um, but yeah, there's not many guys. Yeah. Scary, scary indeed. Okay. You want, you want to go through these? You want me to read them out or you want to go through them? Uh, yeah, no, have a go. Yeah. Okay. Read through them and then, uh, we'll, okay. we'll see, uh, see how we fare. By All the right. way, so I guess two, two losses for Ghana two, on two. road time trials this year. What's your guess? Uh, that's, <laughs> um, well, I would like to know the caveat, uh, the, how many of those are uphill. Uh, that's a really good number that he's going to lose. Do you know how many they do a year approximately? I mean, he's done, you say seven consecutive, but how many time trials has he done already this year? Any idea? Just, uh, just one. I'll, I'll say this. this I think he's going to be 80%. How's that? Fine. We'll take it. Yeah. I don't know what that is. It's two out of 10. I mean, obviously that'd be like you, uh, 80%. I think that's, that's, uh, And, and the reason why, I mean, you, you make the point of, you know, losing two, uh, you have so much more control on a time trial than, you know, a sprint. You've got to be, you know, in the front, it's mechanicals, it's all these other things where a time trial is just like, yeah, I've dialed it in. And, you know, you've already eliminated uh, probably two thirds of the field before you even start because they just can't yeah, compete. Yeah, totally. So. All right. Uh, what races are you most excited about this year? I'll let you go first. Uh, and not a really controversial answer. Tour de France simply being that we've we've been blessed with a couple of great ones in a row. And this year with the strength of Jumbo Visma, although their plans are quickly changing, uh, the strength of Ineos again, and the fact that neither of those teams have the defending champion. Um, given the course, I'm just really excited to see how they deploy their teams. And it's gonna it's gonna be a barn burner because they're gonna be deploying so many resources on this course. Um, and there's so many people can win it. So that's one. And then I'd say second is the Olympic road race course. So many people are throwing their hat into that one and focusing on it. It's an awesome course. Reminds me a little bit of Worlds last year, just the amount of climbing. Uh, hopefully everybody can can get there safely. Hopefully that whole thing happens. Um, so so Olympic road race would be my second one. And then the World Championships in Flanders. And uh, that should be another good showdown. Kind of has Wout's name written all over it, but surely uh, we'll see Vanderpool contending much better right. this year as well. I have not done my research on most of those races. I, I don't even remember necessarily the, I, I looked the other day at the, uh, the Tour de France route. So uh, look, that race is always the one to look at, right? And that's simply because 
and I'm with you on that one, simply because um, although I usually like the routes better on the Giro and the Vuelta, but the tour mm. is the tour. But then after last year, you know, Jumbo, they 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 controlled day one on, um, and then they lost it. You know, we've got to recap from that. They've got to make amends. Ineos, mm-hmm. they have something to prove too after, you know, shitting the bed last year and basically just having the one win with Kwiatkowski. So they've got something to prove there. Then you've got UAE. Well, we bulked up a little bit, so we've got to obviously prove that we can do this again. And just the mm-hmm. and Cavendish maybe being there. So the excitement of... And I hope the teams all do their thing where they send their, you know, their best. Uh, so yeah, obviously the, the, the Tour de France. And actually another one I'm looking forward to coming up pretty quick here is Strada Bianca. I always really enjoy that, especially last year. It was kind of one of the big first races we had coming out of quarantine. So uh, for me, that's what it is. And I haven't uh, checked out the, um, the, but I'm glad to hear that the Olympic road race is a, a climbing one. We'll get hopefully a, uh, I'm always a little difficult, uh, disappointed when you get a world's, a world champion or a you know uh, Olympic champion that's just a little not off the top, just not quite the top tier rider. If you know what I mean. Sure. Yeah. I don't think that'll happen this year. Oh, I think that, we're gonna. Yeah. It's gonna be a very deserving winner this year. So who's your pick for Strada Bianchi? Uh, it got to be Wout. I mean, for me, it's just uh, the way he. I imagine he's still you know going fine. I mean, last year winning Milan San Remo and then uh, Strada was pretty exciting. And the win, the way he won Strada was pretty exciting as well. But that race is unique because, you know, my, uh, my outlier that did pretty well a few years ago, we'll see how he goes over here, is uh, Roman Bardet. I think that he, in his mind, he might just have a little uh, want, desire and he seems to go well. There's so those are my two little, an easy one and, a, and an outlier. Well, how about you? Yeah, love that. Um, it's, t- it's tough to not say wow. Um, because he's going to out sprint. I, I think he is going to consistently out sprint. Like if he's in these finales again with Al Philippe, I think he's going to out sprint him. I was very surprised with how good a form Al Philippe had uh, this past week in Provence. He was, he was all over the roads, like literally. Because I mean, he went down at one point on one of the stages. I mean, he's just like throwing himself up hills on the street. I mean, he's, he's all over the place, but he's on the pointy end of it. And uh, I mean, given the crash at Flanders, I was surprised just how how good he looked on the bike. So he, he said, like, the first half of his season is really important to him. So I think he's, he's out and pretty serious about those. So, so he'll be there, um, and he'll be in the finale, but I, it's tough to be able to say that he'll beat Wout. I mean, if Wout's just got such a good sprint, um, it's, he's a tough guy to beat. Yeah, totally. Uh, how about um, – what's the next one we have here? Names that emerge from 2020, what to expect and which we expect to flourish or flounder. Oh, that's a, that's a very good one. I'll go first on that one. Uh, and you've given mm. me some hints already here, so I can't. Hershey. So um, I think Hershey is one definitely. Uh, I don't know what he can do in a grand tour for a GC type of thing, but I really hope he focuses like he did last year of just being kind of the new Valverde on a one-day taper race thing. You know, I'm going to go out and I'm going to win these one-day races and I'm going to win stages at the tour and, uh, you know, kudos to him for coming close and then yeah, finally getting something. I think you're going to see uh, Sepp making a, a, a step up to the next level, if you could actually say that. And what I mean by that is, mm-hmm. you know, if he if they let him at all, just kind of play that decoy rider in the race where you're, you're supporting him, but you also need to be in the top 10, you're going to see him easily in the top five. You know, he pulls off one bad day in the, in the Tour de France last year, and that was it. I mean, he lost, what, 20 minutes or so. Um, but for that, he's he's stellar. So, except for the time trial, 
responsibility, but you know what I mean. Um, how <laughs> totally. about you? And then I'll see if there's a other one that comes. Oh, Gegenhart, you'd mentioned him. I can't help but uh, think of that as well. Yeah, um, and I, I'm I, I'm hopeful on Hershey, and I, I would have had a lot of question marks about Hershey had he not backed up his Tour de France performance. But then he comes back. He was on the podium at Worlds. He took one of the uh, monuments. So he showed he has it. Um, The thing that's kind of interesting on that side of the fence, though, is there's actually this straight... Because when the news came out that Hershey was moving off of Sunweb, now DSM, it was like, wow, that's so surprising. And sure, certainly he's probably went because he's going to make more money. But Sunweb has actually had a pretty good track record of like getting rid of riders at their peak. And usually they're like a little bit older, but think back to like Tom DeMoulin. He won his world title with Sunweb and then like, that was it. Um, uh, Warren Barguil when he won King of the Mountains, that was his Sunweb. And then they parted ways. And like those guys have never quite been the same. I don't think that's the case with Hershey, but Sunweb has this kind of trend where when folks leave their team at it ends up being that they left at their peak. So um, Kelderman. kind of an interesting stat there. I don't think that'll be the case. Yeah, Kelderman as well. Well, and he had a really unfortunate one because he got stuck in that um, uh, that that uh, car crash accident right. at the Bor- with the Boris squad. So that was um, that was tough. But, I mean, he left. But, yeah. Yeah, so we'll see how it and, – and, you know, to, to Tom's defense, I mean, he leaves. Uh, but, you know, he had some injuries, some other things. And, and I don't think he had a horrible year as he seems to have thought he had maybe. I don't know. Uh, what's your take Sir. on the super tuck and or the new uh you know hands over the bars ooh ooh Man. uh so i did a poll i did a poll on this one and uh a lot uh, a lot of people disagreed with uh the the approach on that, that that should be banned but it was mostly from the angle of frustration not necessarily that it was the wrong thing but like why are you focused on this when there are so many other things that you should be focusing on right when folks kind of got over that aspect of things, like the the frustration that that was taking up resources and time to push that through rather than focusing on other rider safety items, there's been quite a bit of agreement that like, actually this is a good thing because you just, because like if you have the super tuck, then everyone has to super tuck. If you don't have the super tuck, then it's like, okay, we're kind of creating the same equal level playing field. Um, I'm surprised Wout said he's supportive of the ban. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I kind of go back and forth on it. I think G said he was supportive of the band as well. So I don't know. I, I kind of go back and forth on it personally. I haven't done it. I watch people doing it. I watch Froome do it. And I'm like, that looks crazy. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know if we should be telling people that they can't deploy a tactic uh, that they feel comfortable doing. Um, I think more, more consequentially is the, is the hands over the handlebars and kind of moving into that arrow TT position, because that's how a lot of these guys, they, they use this as an advantage to play to their strengths, particularly when they're getting off the front. Look at when Remco went, went solo 50, you know, 50 kilometers last year to win the tour of Poland. Look at Ghana getting away from the group. Tim Wellens a couple weeks ago, going solo in Besege to take a victory. It's like, you know, you get out front, what are you going to do besides drop your hands over the, over the handlebars? Um, it just makes sense. So, and is that really unsafe? You're solo by yourself. Nobody's around you, and you got your hands over the handlebars. Seems doesn't seem like such a you know such a such a safety concern to well, me. But just to pipe now, in we're there. gonna find out what they do. Yeah, remember uh, Hershey? He's in the uh, going down solo uh, the the Tour de France this last year, and they're talking about how what a great descender he is. No, he wasn't solo. I think he was with some other guys, and then he washes out. 
Well, I mean, mm-hmm. that can happen too, right? You're off the front, you're, you're being daring on your, your time. And so the hands over the handlebars, I mean, that's, you're never doing that in the pack. So if you decide to do that, it's no different than just hitting a pothole. I mean, so be it, it's on you. So that to me, it's a little, and I think you're right about like your priorities. You know, we've got a roundabout with 800 meters to go. That's okay. But Hey, we don't want you to do a super tech when you're all by yourself. I don't know. Totally. Um, Will Israel Startup Nation place a rider in a Grand Tour podium? That's on you. I don't think so. Um, and and you, you really got two guys. I, so as an aside from the podium, I think uh, Michael Woods is going to have another great year. I think he's going to take some stages for them. I think he'll win another Grand Tour stage this year. Um, but you really got Dan Martin and you got Chris Froome. And my vote is no. I think they'll, you know, Dan Martin still, you know, consistently has good legs. Um, and he'll put in some results, but I think given the talent that's out there for Froome, even if he is returning to form, uh, that it won't won't be enough to put him on the podium. Yeah, I tend to agree because I'm just I'm looking through their thing. I mean, one guy that I want to see have a chance, and you know, this happened with Travis McCabe last year, gets a ride, and then just you know, COVID happens, doesn't even get a chance. Is uh, James Piccoli, a uh, Canadian rider. Uh, who got a ride for them last year. He's still back with them, but I don't really see a ton of Carl, well, Carl Frederick Hagen. He's pretty good. You never know. I mean, that's a guy that you, it was, I want to say fourth a few years ago and I want to top six, maybe in the Vuelta um, when he was with Lotto. So you have some potential there. You never, never know who could come out of this, but I think you're right. I don't, I don't see them put it, but, but they do have potential with their two big firepower guys. So you never know. Mm-hmm. Uh, how about yep. this one? Uh, unpopular predictions. You got to, <laughs> These are what these are ones you brought you brought up. I've so. got yeah, please, let's hear it. Yeah, I've I've got two. Well, they're not they're not necessarily predictions, but I think if um, if when the Tour de France course for 2021 was revealed, if Wout Van Aert decided actually, you know what, I want to go for yellow, and this of course assumes like his team would want to get behind him on this when they've got like you know at the time Roglic and Debul and all these things, I think Wout actually on this course would have a better shot at yellow than at green. Mm given the time trialing, given the, the lack of mountaintop finishes and his potential ability to steal bonus points on some of the puncher stages. So I think he'd actually have a better shot at yellow than, than taking green, which is what many people think about. And what he's actually said is one of his goals for his career at this point. So not sure how many people would get on board with that yeah, one, I, but that's, 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 uh, that's something I believe. He's got to have some devastation in the team, I think, for that to happen. But um, to yeah, be- I'm not saying it's practical, but I'm saying if uh, you know if, if they lined everything up to try to make that happen, and it was his priority on this type of course, right. he he could have a shot at it. Not that he would necessarily do it, but that he would have a shot at it. I don't know if this is unpopular, but I'm going to say that uh, Froome has uh, more of a chance of winning a state uh, a race, single day, anything than um, Cavendish. That's my that's my take. Take I would totally agree with that. Oh, that no. not that makes a lot here. of sense. Not no, unpopular, not unpopular by me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else we got here? What any other uh, factoids or, or controversial things you want to throw out? Well, I think everyone probably thinks that the Tour de France uh, green jersey is between uh, Peter Sagan and Sam Bennett again, but I actually my pick is Arno Demar. Uh, that yeah. I mean, I haven't looked at all the sprinting stages uh, to see how that goes. Do you think um, Sagan will, I mean, he was, I just didn't think he was impressive at all last year. Do you think he's going to rebound this year? Maybe my unpopular prediction would be no. I think he does. I think he does rebound. I think he had a good off season. He just did not, it, 
I didn't think he like looked like he cared last year. His yeah. he's always got like a nonchalance to him, but he just didn't have the fire in the belly as far as I could tell last year. And I was excited to see him. He just had COVID, so he's just done like two weeks. No, I don't know if he was completely off his bike, but that's a bummer. But I do think he rebounds. I think he has better results than he did in 2020 uh, this season. Yeah, I don't know if it had to do with uh, like the change in life, you know, family life, getting a divorce, maybe some issues there, COVID, maybe just a little bit down. Uh, I'm re- totally reading into it, but that's what we do here because we like to speculate. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I, I like to see him. What did you think of the controversy with him? Uh, even bringing it up just the other day about ah, oh, wow, I don't, I don't think about him at all. But <laughs> I think about him all the time about yeah, yeah. in the tour. But he should still apologize to me. Right. Uh, I mean, I mean, whatever. I mean, we saw the look in that move. Sagan definitely. Would you want to take a shoulder from Peter Sagan coming down that finish? He's like yeah. a big dude. I would yeah. not want. I would not want that. And and Peter pushed left a little further than he needed to for sure. Um, so whatever. I like people jawing at each other. We need a little bit yeah. of drama in cycling. So I, I'm appreciative of his, uh, the fact that he doesn't think about it, but that if he does think about it, he still expects an apology. <laughs> I, know. I, I don't know if you heard my breakdown of that. It was like, it's such a convoluted, uh, but that's Peter Sagan. And maybe that's why we like it. But do you think there's any other people in the sport that can really gin up, you know, you get into other sports, you know, if you're Michael Jordans or uh, LeBron and, and uh, what have you that, you know, they just, electrify and they bring in a bunch of audience. Um, and is there anybody like that in our, in our sport besides, I mean, Sagan's been, but I'm like looking for something else. It's not Roglic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess it depends like for their legs or for like what they say, because I mean, you, you know, oh. you got riders who controversial, right? Well, it's not controversial, but I mean, Alaphilippe's becoming like a pretty polarizing rider. Like so many people, are, are falling on like a love hate side with, with Al Philippe. So him with his legs, I mean, he doesn't really particularly say anything controversial, but um, he, he seems to be a little bit, a little bit divisive. What do you think about him? Um, I, I'd say from a writing perspective, well, I, I love him. I love him. I'm a big fan of Julian Al Philippe. Um, I, I think his writing style, uh, you, you know, if you compare the two guys coming down and finishing straight, him next to Wout Van Art, you look at what Al Philippe's doing and how he handles his bike, and you're like, what are you doing, dude? Um, so I think he, I could see folks being a little frustrated riding around him, given his riding style uh, in his immediate era area, but I do love, like, the emotion and the panache and his attacking nature and, and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of people didn't like, you know, when he crashes, it's kind of the me show and, you know, laying out in the middle of the street and yeah. all those sorts of things. So that, that's, my, I, I get it. That's my exact complaint was, Oh, you're down. It's just a wrist and you're laying in the road. So the whole field goes by you and they have to funnel through. Uh, but I'll give him this. When you have the world championship Jersey and you're showing yourself and you're winning races, I'm a big fan of that. I love to see that Jersey on the pinnacle and the, and the pinpoint of the, of the racing. And uh, the other day he's off in a break, they get caught right in the last, you know, K and a half. And he immediately goes to the front to start leading out his team. And I'm like, you know, unreal. Yeah. Now I did see someone yelling at him after the race, another rider, and they were kind of going at it. I don't know if you have any insight of you saw that at all either. And I don't know, you know, he could, he's just sporadic. He's like a, a, a junior racer to me out there. Yeah. It's how he rides. It, certainly. I did not see anybody drawn at him. I did see the fact that he, he took that to like 300 meters to go right. after being off the front. For like, it's just like, wow. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty unbelievable. Um, but no, I, I didn't see what uh, anybody drawn at him. Could have been whatever. All right. So Rob, anything else you want to say out here before? And, and once again, let everyone know where they can uh, find you online as well. 
I think I think that's it. I think we just about covered it, and uh, it was real fun. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, you could find me Tor Breakaway, uh, Instagram, Apple Pod, Spotify, and uh, and YouTube. Great. Well, I'll link to you on the show. And just um, sad point here, I didn't get the, the video started recording until a little bit later. So uh, we ran it a little longer just so everyone could enjoy this here. Once again, Rob Dalto of the Tour Breakaway podcast. How, how'd you come up with the name? Why why Tour Breakaway? Uh, the Breakaway, jumping out front. And uh, yeah, the URL wasn't taken. <laughs> the URL, that's perfect. So thanks again for coming on. We'll have to do this again. Uh, I understand you're in California for a little bit longer. Is that right? Temporarily. I was room hunting, but I'll be I, back in here. Yeah, I'm disappointed you didn't find room. So if you're ever up in Northern Cal, come find me. We'll, um, I'll take you out or we'll go for a ride or something. So I appreciate you coming on. Thanks Love again. To. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks, everyone. Between Two Wheels Podcast, 224 episodes. Check us out. Give us a like, little link there, and share the show. I mean, help us do that, all right? 